If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 10, where you'll find the text printed in your bulletin. Today we're continuing our series entitled, Who is Jesus? Walking our way through the seven I Am statements of Jesus. And in today's passage, we find where Jesus says, I am the door. In some ways, this is really part one of a two-part series uh, of John 10 in the midst of these I Am statements because there's two of them back to back. Jesus says, today I am the door, and next week, Elder Jamie Dagenhart will be preaching on how Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And these two passages fit together really well, explaining who Jesus is. Today's sermon is a little bit more theological in some ways than certain sermons, uh, and I'm setting the stage, and there's some background information, so I encourage you to bear with me at a few points to make the, the big idea of what's happening in this text, uh, and I hope to show you that the theological is immensely practical um, as we work through this passage. But before I read our text, let me pray and ask for the Lord's help. Almighty God, Lord of heaven and earth, you have chosen to speak to us through your word and through the preaching of your word. So Lord, we ask that you would help us to set aside the things that distract us. And Lord, we ask that you would sanctify us in the truth, for your word is truth. Speak, Lord, for your servants listen. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word, John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. This is where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out his own, all his own, he goes before them, and all the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Back in the 1960s and 70s, the game show Let's Make a Deal aired on national television. Now, I know that's before my time, but I'm culturally educated enough to know a little bit about this show. Um, perhaps you have watched some episodes. I pulled up uh, a rerun on YouTube last night, and this show is full of all sorts of ridiculous games and sketches and costumes and people doing rather absurd things. But always on the show, at a certain point, Monty Hall would offer contestants the chance to win some great prize behind one of three doors. Door number one, door number two, door number three. And so you'd pick which one. And Monty would open one of the two doors every time, one that didn't have a prize behind it or some ridiculous thing like a goat or something like that. And then he would ask you, would you like to change your guess? 
You have to decide. Stick with what I chose, choose another one. Maybe I got a 50-50 chance to get a great prize. Here in John 10, Jesus tells us that he is the door, and it's tempting to think of this kind of like, let's make a deal. Well, maybe there's a prize behind this door, Jesus. Maybe I'll choose, maybe I won't. What do I got to lose? But friends, that's not at all what Jesus is saying here. He's teaching something very different. To set the stage for his point, Jesus uses the metaphor of sheep. And he does this to help his audience and you and I as readers of God's holy word to better understand who he is. As far as I know, no one here is a shepherd. That's not the primary occupation of the good citizens of York County. But in first century Palestine, there were tons of sheep and tons of shepherds. Jesus' hearers would have had multiple ideas come rushing to their mind the moment Jesus starts talking in this passage. Some there might have even been shepherds. Most people probably would have known a shepherd and were very familiar with how sheep and shepherds function. In these first 10 verses of John chapter 10, there is a lot going on. It's easy for us to get confused. And the fact of the matter is that Jesus talks about a sheepfold in two different ways. And if you don't realize that, this passage is going to get very confusing and you're going to misunderstand the point that Jesus is making. Yet the main idea is very clear and it centers around the I am statement. Jesus says, I am the door. And I believe we see two aspects to this in our text. First, Jesus is the door to the sheep. And secondly, Jesus is the door for the sheep. So the door to the sheep and the door for the sheep. All right, so first, Jesus is the door to the sheep. In other words, he is the one who provides access to the sheep. Sheep in this metaphor are people. And all throughout Scripture, we're called sheep. And we like to think of sheep as very cute and fluffy, soft animals. Maybe your kids or grandkids have a stuffed animal of a lamb or a sheep. But sheep, if you're familiar with them at all, are actually quite dumb. They are easily hurt. They easily get lost. Their brain is not that big. In fact, back in 2015, Turkish shepherds watched in horror as one of their sheep just walked straight off a cliff, falling about 50 feet to its death. Yet their horror was multiplied when the rest of the flock walked off the cliff as well. All 1,500 of them. The first 400 falling 50 feet died. The other 1,100, because of the soft cushion of the rest of the sheep, actually survived. Sheep are not very smart. Think of Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. So like physical sheep, you and I as spiritual sheep are not very smart. We rebel against our maker and our redeemer. We go our own way and we pursue after the things of this world instead of following after God. In verses 1 through 5 of our passage, Jesus is telling an allegory. We know this because verse 6 says, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. An allegory, according to Webster's Dictionary, is the expression of truths about human existence by means of symbolic fictional figures and actions. So in this allegory, we have a sheepfold, 
There's a gatekeeper, a shepherd, sheep, thieves, and robbers. And it's very tempting for us to want to line up each item with its corresponding person or event that Jesus is talking about. But that's not how allegories work in the Bible. Some connect directly, and others are there just to kind of help the story make a little bit more sense. And I share this literary tidbit with you, not because I want to sound smart, but because I want to help you be a better student of the Bible. You see, one of my jobs as your pastor is to help you be the best Bible scholar you can be as you read and study God's Word on your own. As you see how God's word is to be interpreted, hopefully it helps you in your study of God's word. And so when you come to an allegory, it could be confusing. Hopefully, by God's grace, you'll be able to understand what's going on. So what are we to make of the allegory that Jesus gives here? We've already said that the sheep are people. Who's the shepherd? That's pretty easy. The shepherd's Jesus. Who are the thieves and robbers? Well, they are the religious leaders of the day, and I'll explain in a minute how we know that. But who's the gatekeeper? Well, that's one of the parts of the story I don't think we should press to try to find a correlation. People have offered different explanations, but I don't think that that's the point Jesus is making. So the last item then to identify is the sheepfold. People have suggested all sorts of interpretations it's all humanity. It's the church. It's heaven. I don't think any of those fit. The sheepfold here in our passage represents Judaism, the people of Israel. Now, you could just take my word for that and think that I have a good understanding, but I don't want you to do that. I want to explain how we got there. How do we know that the sheepfold is Judaism or Israel? Well, two things reveal this. First, the context, and secondly, first century architecture. The context of our passage is John 9. Jesus begins our passage with the words, truly, truly, I say to you. He's emphasizing the importance, but he's also connecting back. Because every time he says, truly, truly, he's continuing some teaching from before. Context in John 9 is Jesus has healed a blind man on the Sabbath. And what stands out for our purposes is the response of the religious leaders. They get all up in arms that Jesus would dare to heal somebody on the Sabbath. And they want to know, who did this? So they go to the man, who healed you? They go to his parents, who healed him? And his parents say, hey, he's of age, ask him. And in John 9, 22, we find this explanation. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. And then in verse 34, we find that they indeed did put this man out of the synagogue. The religious leaders of the day were harassing God's people and trying to force them away from Jesus. They were trying to gain followers by intimidating them and bullying them. And so they're the thieves and the robbers in this allegory. Jesus says that they are thieves and robbers. He's not talking about past tense, they were, but they are. He's talking about people in the present time. And so this helps us see that the sheepfold then is Judaism, where the religious leaders would have been trying to take God's people. 
said earlier that first century architecture helps us too. You see, at this time, there were two different sheepfolds. One would be in town and one would be out in the fields. The one in town was a large structure that would hold several different flocks owned by different people. So at night, they would all go in together and there'd be a gatekeeper that would watch to make sure that no thieves or robbers climbed over or no wild animals got in. And they would only open the door for the true shepherds. The sheep would hear the voice and the gatekeeper knew who to let in and who not. And this is the type of sheepfold Jesus is talking about here in the first half of our text. The second one he uses later in the passage. So what exactly is Jesus teaching us in this allegory? Well, he's contrasting how he gets to the sheep the right way and how the thieves and robbers get to the sheep the wrong way. They are trying to steal God's people and lead them astray. They come with false motives and false methods, as one commentator put it. The Sadducees were known for being very, very wealthy through their roles in the synagogue and the temple. The Pharisees weren't quite as wealthy, but they elevated themselves by pushing other people down, making them look bad and exalting themselves. They were supposed to take care of God's people, and they were doing the opposite. Ezekiel 34, the passage that George read for our first reading, serves as the most clear Old Testament background to Jesus' words. And I wanted to just reread the uh, verses 2 and 3 of that passage. It says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. These people set up to take care of God's people had been using and abusing them. And Jesus calls them out as thieves and robbers. Brothers and sisters, there are many thieves and robbers today who would like to access God's people, but they come the wrong way. They have the wrong motives and they have the wrong methods. Many of these people are supposed to be the shepherd of God's people. That is to say, they're pastors. Christians today are terrified of saying anything negative about someone for fear of being labeled judgmental. You hear Matthew 7, 1 thrown around all the time, Judge not, lest you be not judged. But friends, Jesus here is critiquing and challenging and calling out and rebuking the false shepherds. And at times, we need to do the same. Just because someone claims to be a pastor doesn't mean what they are saying is true. Paul says in Galatians 1 verse 8, But if, I, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Literally says, let him be anathema. Let him go to hell if he teaches something contrary to what's in the word of God. If you hear someone teaching maybe on TV the so-called prosperity gospel that God promises to make you healthy and wealthy and wise, someone like Joel Osteen, run away. It is a false teaching. If you hear someone preaching that homosexuality and gender fluidity are compatible with Christianity, run. It is a false teaching. 
We must be discerning. Opposite to this is Jesus. He is the door to the sheep. He says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. In some ways, Jesus is kind of mixing metaphors a little bit, because there's the gate and the gatekeeper and the door, but he is showing us how he provides access to God's people. Jesus comes to the sheep with right motives and right methods. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls out his own by name, and he leads them. If the sheepfold is Judaism, this means that Jesus is calling certain people out by name, those whom he has chosen. This is what we know in theological terms as election, that God has chosen some whom he is going to save. The Apostle Paul tells us about this in Ephesians 1.4, where he says, Even as he, as God, chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God chose certain people to be his. He calls them by name. Friends, think about a shepherd calling a sheep. Maybe he's got 20 or 30 sheep, and he knows each of them. And maybe he calls them Timmy or Tommy or Billy or Bobby, but maybe he's got a nickname. Floppy ears or stubby tail or dry nose. Who knows what it might be? Friends, God calls his people by name as well. And his people come. If you are in Christ, then God has chosen you and called you to himself. And we all want to be chosen. Think back to playing games on the field at recess during elementary school. What did you not want to be? The last one chosen, right? You feel left out. We all have a desire to be wanted and chosen. And God has chosen us. Why are you a Christian? It's because God has called you by name. What a precious truth. What a comforting reality. Let that warm your heart. Meditate on God's love for you. Let it grow your love for Jesus. Allow it to permeate your thoughts. Let it spur you on to love and good deeds. Jesus is the door to the sheep. Only through him can anyone get to God's people. And the sheep hear his voice. Do you hear the voice of Jesus through the reading and preaching of his word? But not only is Jesus the door to the sheep, he's also the door for the sheep. He is the way for God's people to come to God the Father. Look with me at verse 7. It says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. See, Jesus tells the first allegory, and the people are confused. They don't get it. And so Jesus, being the patient and good teacher that he is, tells them again. And he explains it further by talking about who he is. What exactly does Jesus mean here? Well, hear this story from Pastor Richard Phillips. He tells the story of Old Testament scholar Sir George Adam Smith. Sir George was once traveling through Palestine when he came across a shepherd and a sheep. During their conversation, the shepherd showed him the fold into which he would lead the sheep at night. It consisted of four walls with one small open space. Sir George asked the shepherd whether the opening was how the sheep got in. 
Yes, said the shepherd. And once they are in, they are, they are perfectly safe. But there's no door, said Sir George. I am the door, said the shepherd. He explained, when the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in the open space. No sheep ever goes out except across my body. And no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. Friends, this is the second type of sheepfold, one out in the fields, and that's what Jesus is talking about here in the second half of our passage. When he says he's the door, he's talking about laying down in front of the opening. And so in this allegory, the sheepfold is the church, the covenant people of God. Those who are in the covenant community are saved. They're brought in to God's chosen people, and they come and go. They're saved brought into the family of God, they have eternal life. Notice that Jesus says, I am the door. He doesn't say, I am a door. No, he is the door. He is the only way to God the Father and to eternal life. No other path will do. We live in a world that promotes religious pluralism. It's the idea that Whatever works for you is good for you. Whatever works for me is good for me. Just don't impose your views on me. All paths kind of lead to heaven as long as you're good. And what most people will tell you is what matters most is that you're genuine. So if you're a genuine Buddhist or a genuine Hindu or a genuine Muslim or a genuine Jew or a genuine atheist or agnostic, whatever you are, as long as you're genuine, you'll go to heaven. Or it's the idea that as long as your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds... God will have to let you into heaven if there is such a place. Friends, this is heresy. I know it sounds harsh. It sounds judgmental. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. It's not judgmental. It's actually very compassionate. You see, if you were driving down a road and ahead of you was a bridge that was out, would it be loving for me just to let you keep driving? But you're so genuine. You're driving the speed limit. Just keep going. Enjoy the beautiful night. No, stop. Turn around. Go back. No, you will drive off the cliff and you will die. So it is with faith. It's unloving to let people continue in their unbelief for fear of offending them. It's unloving to say, oh, all past work when the Bible is very clear. No, they don't. Jesus is the only door for the sheep, the only door to eternal life. All other doors lead to hell. We must not be afraid to teach this. We must not be afraid to share this with our friends and family members. Yes, we share in a kind way. But apart from Christ, there is no hope of eternal life. But for all who do come to Christ in faith, there's infinite hope. Notice the second half of verse 9. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. That anyone there is an open invitation. It's the free offer of the gospel. It's not for rich people only or poor people only. It's not for men only or women only or for whites only or blacks only. No, it is an open invitation for anyone. It's not clean yourself up and be a better person and then come to Jesus. No, it's come just as you are. Find Savior for your soul. Let him change you from the inside out. Let him give you salvation. Let him lead you.
to green pastures, as Psalm 23 says. Earlier I mentioned that this passage teaches election, and now we see the free offer of the gospel, and some will pit these two against each other. They can't be compatible. But here a story of how they do fit together. James Montgomery Boyce tells the story about a woman that he knows. He says, a number of years ago, a woman sat in a pew in the 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. At the time, the pastor was Donald Gray Barnhouse. He was talking about the cross and of the need to believe on the Christ who died upon it. He says, the woman I am talking about was not a Christian. She had been raised in a religious home and had heard about Jesus, but she didn't understand these things and therefore obviously had never actually trusted in Jesus for her salvation. In order to make clear that for salvation, only believing in Jesus Christ is necessary, Barnhouse said, imagine that the cross has a door in it. All you are asked to do is go through. On one side, the side facing you, there is written an invitation, whosoever will may come. You stand there with your sin upon you and wonder if you should enter or not. Finally, you do. And as you do, the burden of sin drops away. You are safe and free. Joyfully, then, you turn around and see written on the backside of the cross through which you have now entered, chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Barnhouse then invited those who were listening to enter. Boyce goes on to say, the woman later said that this was the first time in her life that she had really understood what it meant to be a Christian, and that in understanding it, she had believed. She believed right there in that church at that moment. She entered the door. Moreover, the rest of her life bore witness to the fact that a great change had occurred and that she was God's child. Boyce says, I am certain of the facts of this story because that woman was my mother. What a powerful story. Friends, the free offer of the gospel stands before you. Jesus says, I am the door. What's the purpose of a door? Is it to be admired? Is it to be touched and discussed and posted on social media? No, a door is designed for you to walk through it. Have you walked through the door? Have you found salvation in Jesus Christ? If not, come today. Don't put it off. And if you have, then thank God for the free gift of salvation. Remember Paul's words in Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus concludes this passage with some very powerful words in verse 10. He says, The thief comes only to kill, kill, steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, the whole purpose of Jesus being the door is to give us an abundant life. Not just the bare minimum to make it through, just to kind of suffer along till we get to heaven. No, he came to give us life and life abundant. Certainly we will experience this in heaven. And we should long for the day when our faith is made sight. Heaven will be infinitely greater than we can imagine. But this abundant life is not just future, it's now. It's Peace, peace with God because our sins are forgiven. It's peace knowing that no matter what happens, the sovereign ruler of the universe is still on his throne. It involves joy and true love and friendship and forgiveness, being a part of God's covenant people. On and on we could go. Don't believe the lies of the world that Jesus is boring or that he will make your life miserable. 
And we all want an abundant life, and Jesus offers the greatest life that ever there could be. Jesus is the door. Will you enter through the door? Will you find that Jesus is the greatest Savior that ever there was? And will you allow him to transform your life as you live each day for his glory? Let us pray.